welcome to the Advice Podcast. My name is James Fitzgerald, reporter at New Model Advisor. Today, I'm speaking with the Chief Executive of Consolidator True Invest, Mark Smith. Mark, welcome to you and thanks for joining us. Hi, James. Good to speak. Now, True Invest has been, uh, been rather busy since inception in 2019. And after a swathe of advice firm deals last year, the business has recently pushed over $1 billion in AUM. How many firms have you bought to date? And what is the end goal for the business? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's certainly been an interesting period of time. We, we actually completed our first transaction in, in March 2020. So we, we were established in 2019, but obviously we've we, been sort of working through that that process with with a couple of firms. Um, and we literally completed our first transaction in in early March 2020. Good timing. Um, and about... And about one week later, into into lockdown, <laughs> which, mm, which which was never part of the plan, but but you know that's 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 the way these things happen sometimes. Um, so you know that it was great to to get off the mark, you know, with 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 that business called Group Rapport, um, and we completed a second transaction um, a couple of months afterwards, actually. So so whilst we were still in lockdown that year, um, at the end of May, um, 2020. Um, and we've then completed two further transactions um, early, earlier this year, just last month, actually, um, two businesses, um, NLP Financial Management and, and Birchwood Investment Management, which, which, which as you've said, has taken our, our sort of assets across across the group, um, just over over a billion pounds of assets, which, which which was our sort of target for the first year. So we, we literally did it with, with a few days to spare. <laughs> so you know, we were really pleased about that because of, of where the market's been, you know, and, and, and the way the world's been generally. Um, mm-hmm. So, so we've achieved that that initial target, and you know, we we saw that as an ambitious, ambitious start. Um, and our intention over the next, you know, three, four, five years, and we've we've not got a tight timeline on it, but it's really sort of to aim to take the business through to to five billion pounds of assets that, that we'll be looking um, after across the group, whether that be through other transactions, but also um, bringing advisors into the into the team as well. Quite an ambitious goal, and. How do you find vets and sign off on a firm during you know, a rather strict lockdown that you know dragged on for three, four months, and yeah, then again in November last year? Yeah, I suppose there's there's always two sides to to, to doing transactions anyway. Well, one side of it is is actually relatively straightforward, and that's actually the the process of doing the transaction itself. You know, the you know going through the the, the sort of legal documentation, the, the due diligence, all all of those things you can do remotely. Um, and it's always been the way, you know, that you'll have conference calls with with solicitors and you know other other parties, you know. So so those things can almost happen as as, as they always did. Um, the hardest part is 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 the sort of softer side around it. You know, what what we're doing is trying to bring together a group of people who are really aligned with with their views of of the market, you know, goals about where we might get to in the future. And you can do a certain amount of that. In, in Zoom and team calls and all that kind of thing, but 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 actually the reality is, you know, being around the table with people to to really have some of those discussions, which which are the sort of less formal discussions outside of the the actual transaction itself, to make sure that that, that you're all aligned, you know, in, in, and so that that side has been more difficult, um, because it, it's it's absolutely key to get that right, you know, you know, bringing bringing the right businesses on board um, and, and 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 the right people is really really important. So, you know, it, it has taken longer, you know, that, that sort of side of it, trying to develop those kind of um, relationships, because for us, when we're bringing firms into the group, it is about long term client relationships with with the owners, with their advisors and their clients. You know, that's that's absolutely key um, for us. So, so so it's important to get that right. So, you know, the, the process has taken longer as a, as a result. You know, if I'm perfectly honest, you know, we, we've, we've taken longer to go through that process. 
I suppose a lot of people would think, and I've spoken to some other consolidators and you know, acquisitions expert about this for various articles last year and early this year, where it's you know, everyone assumes that you know, everyone's sat around a big board table for acquisitions 100% <laughs> of the time. It doesn't seem that you know, that doesn't seem to be the case in your, you know, in, in the deals you've done. No, it is. I say some of it, some of it has to be, to be you know, sort of done virtually. It's, it's for me that is it's it's easier to try and go through the diligence process and actually look at the information you know because because the information mm. is the information you know so you've got solicitors involved you've got um, um accountants going through through all of the numbers but but fundamentally you know it's it's about people and it's about relationships and it's about how they deal with their clients and that's the bit that is you know that is the bit where you want to get around the table with people to be able to understand how they do things, the way the way that they deal with their clients, because because that's the most important part. So, you know, it, part of it, yes, you know, you, you still need to get around the table, and, and we're able to do that. You know, during the course of the year, there has been times when when we've been able to do that. Um, mm. but, but but to say it, it, it has extended that that process. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know, absolutely key. As I've, as I've said, you know, we want to make sure that that people joining the group are, are aligned with our views about about what the future looks like and and how important clients are at, at the heart of the business. Well, that brings me on to my next question. You talk about you know, the aligning of views um, for wanting to bring advice firms onto True Invest. You know, what do you look for in advice firm? What's important and you know, what's attractive and what are those views that of firms that you want to bring on? Yeah, I think... I think what's been really interesting through 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 the period of the pandemic, you know, clearly, you know, it's 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 been a, a once in a lifetime, you know, position for for everybody to really sort of understand. But, you know, the, the really good firms out there were, were able to to deal with their clients and and manage them in in a different way, but but, but be able to deal with them very very quickly. Um, and it, and it, and it's shown how robust and resilient the sector is, you know. So. You know, it, but, but but that's all got to be based around strong client relationships. You know, so for us, mm. the first thing that, that that advisors should be doing when when the world was turning upside down was was to be there for their clients. You know, absolutely, you know, key, um, because there was so much uncertainty, and and a lot of clients didn't want to talk about their their financial affairs at that point. You know, they you know it was their whole well being and everything was was really important mm-hmm. at that sort of early stage, and you know the, the sort of financial side came later. But it, but it's you know it was. Sometimes in our industry, we, you know, we, we don't always um, put ourselves in the best light, you know. So, so you know, you can see that sometimes it can be difficult to, to speak to a, a real person about your affairs. Um, you know, you might be in, in call centres on hold for for an hour trying to speak to somebody. And you know, for, for our type of business, what is absolutely important is that our clients want to speak to somebody who knows them, who understands them, and actually, you know, can can actually work with them through 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 whatever what they want to discuss. You know, so 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 that's a real sort of starting point for us. If if we can see that that clients are really at the heart of of a business's values and ethos, that that's absolutely critical for us. Um, and and that that then flows through into the type of advice that they give. You know, a great firm does the right thing. F- for their clients, so you, your diligence is easier because when once you start to look at the type of investments that they make for their for, for the clients, there's, there's there's a really good strong rationale behind what they're doing, you know. So, and and and, and again, long term client relationship, you know, being able to um, to see that, you know, we see with a lot of our firms, they are, you know, through to second, third generations of families, you know, which is which again is something that, that, that is interesting mm-hmm. how that's developing at the minute, but it's 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 something that's absolutely key. 
um, when, when we're looking for good quality firms. Do you find it's easier to, to as you said, you know, on paper, a firm looks good. Do you think it's easy to find a good firm providing good holistic advice and you know, treating their clients the right way than those that perhaps may have a few skeletons in their closets? Yeah, I think it, 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 part of the issue that, that we have is, is a changing landscape. So, you know, we could, we could touch on DB transfers is, is an obvious one, um, mm. you know, that's that had a real sort of focus from the regulator. Um, and, and the majority of firms at some point in their history will have, will have been in that market to, to, you know, an extent, you know, even if it's only one or two cases. Um, but, but that's completely sort of shifting um, at the moment. And we're seeing, you know, some real pressure for, from the regulator to really sort of narrow that market. Um, and, you know, we've, we've seen that progress a long way. But it's, but it's you know, it, it's, it, it's that kind of thing of really understanding, you know, why firms are in particular markets, why they're doing what they're doing, why they're giving their, their advice that they're giving, really to start to build the picture of, of what the firm's all about. You know, so, you know, it, it, it really does depend on on the nature of, of, of what the proposition is. You know, do, do they have advice that, advisors that have been there with them for a long time or is there a real sort of um, high volume of, of churn of advisors through the business? You know, it's really trying to see, you know, what's important for us, we always talk about, creating a, a long-term um, stable business and again that's that's what we're looking for you know if we can see businesses where they 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 have advisors who've been with the business for a long time really understand the culture and ethos of the business and mm. and the reason they, they give advice in the way that they do um, and and they've got those long-term client relationships as I say starts to really start to build a picture of, of what the business is all about so obviously it's not just about you know AUM it is about you know clients first you know advisors being there for the long term and you know wanting to do the right thing yeah i think you know our, our view on that is you know we'd, we're not a consolidator who, who just looks to get assets under management so we're, right that's the number yeah. you know we we talked about this billion pounds of assets because it's it's an easy number to to put something around you know yeah and it was something to aim for um and and it it, it helped us to focus on making sure that, that we were bringing the right firms um into the group um but but for us you know there's no point having assets within your business if if there is the the risk that, that that those assets and those clients effectively walk out of the door. You know, and you know again mm -hmm. a key point for us. Um, we know that that there'll be you know some firms in our space where where actually bringing assets onto the platform is is absolutely key. It's a different model to us, but you know that's that's important to them. And and if some of the the clients decide that actually it's not for them and they leave that well, well that's okay for them because it's part of their business model you know they they, they see it differently where for us you know is you know, what what's really really important is making sure that, that that you've got good advisors on board and they want to stay on board and be on that on that journey with you so as part of our growth because if that's the case if the advisors are are, are happy with 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 what we're looking to do they 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 buy into our our sort of plans and and you know how we want to build the business then what's you know a key driver in our in our part of the market is the advisors relationships with their with their clients you know so so if the advisors are happy their clients are happy that then then the assets stick around you know you know so you know for for clients who who've got long standing relationships with advisors you know they they don't tend to change those relationships very often obviously they they they, they do sometimes but 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 when you've got a a really good advisor who who's looking after clients properly you know they, they they become the trusted advisor there's, there's been a huge mm -hmm. amount in our sector over the last few years talking about the independent model against restricted um for us it's 
it's not really about that. It's about being the trusted advisor. And if you're the trusted advisor, then that that relationship is really, really secure. And for us, that that's what then helps you to grow your business and also bring new assets into the business because those advisors are naturally introduced to new clients as well. Hmm. No, very much so, very much so. And as we discussed uh, a bit earlier on, you know, last year was a challenging year for everybody, clients and advisors in you know, the greater world. Yep. How have you seen the acquisition market last year? I've, I've you know, found there's been some um, you know, differing views and opinions on it. You know, mm. Some of the larger firms have stopped acquisitions. Some of the smaller consolidators such as yourself have you know, really found their feet and, you know, and pushed on. How, how, have you, how have you seen outside of TrueVest, how have you seen the acquisition market as a whole? Is it, you know, is it good? Is it bad? Or has it been challenging last year? Yeah, no, it's, it's been really interesting how, how the years or the, or the last 18 months have really sort of developed, you know. So so when we were sort of looking at, at our sort of first early transactions um, and then and then going into that sort of um, COVID lockdown, um, there was a lot of noise at the time from from um, various various firms, some some looking to to continue with what they're doing, some some looking to exit. You know that's that that, that mm-hmm. was very much the case, and and firms were were quite you know public about that. You, you know the, quite a few of the of the you know sort of players in the market did did come out and say you know we're not doing any more for now. Um, but 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 as we got over that initial period of uncertainty, as I said before, our, the good firms in our sector are, are, are really good, strong, resilient businesses, and, and they were able to demonstrate that through through the period of, of um, the, those initial stages of, of lockdown. You know that, that that suddenly these businesses weren't you know going bust straight away because because they didn't have any mm-hmm. revenue. You know they, they were looking after their clients. You know since since RDR back in 2012, where you've got a proper agreed remuneration structure where where you do service clients for the long term and and you know that's that's how you 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 are remunerated um really demonstrated the the strength of of that model so so we went from this period you know early on of everybody saying we're not sure whether we're in we're not sure whether we're out you know lots of you know some firms even saying we we're going out now we're coming back in but now we're out again they almost couldn't decide what they were doing at the time you know yeah. um what what we really sort of have seen is that where firms are, are are good strong firms they they have been able to demonstrate that resilience and actually that that then becomes really attractive for for somebody looking to invest into that type of business and over the course of the year that's that's exactly what we've seen you know we've we've seen more and more firms coming into the market um look, looking to do things similar to what we're doing so so we've gone from this sort of period of thinking well well what does pricing look like you know do we need to change the structure of transactions to actually seeing um you know new players coming in and actually you know there's there's, there's still a really competitive market out there whereas probably if you'd have asked that question eight nine months ago we'd have said you know we we think it's going to really sort of tighten um but but, but we've really seen the opposite of that happening well i think that was the you know the differing opinions wasn't it i, I remember mm. talking to advisors in march when we all got sent home and it was yeah, two or three things. It was everyone's going to want to sell up. Um, sorry, two things. Everyone was going to want to sell up, and there's going to be a huge influx of advice firms wanting to just, you know, their principals want to exit the market and just, you know, sell off the client bank to the <laughs> firm to consolidate or a national, what have you. Yeah. But, you know, from what you're saying, a lot of firms are wanting to, you know, join up with businesses such as yourselves and wanting to stay in the market, you know, as part of a group instead of you know just wandering off into the sunset yeah yeah i think there's, there's there's a couple of points around that i think the first one and and the most fundamental um 
is is the point I was making before about clients needs at, at that point in time um, mm -hmm. and the last thing that owners of businesses and the advisors were thinking about in let's say a, April May of last year was should I be selling the business right now or not yeah their focus was completely on their clients um, and you know we had some discussions that, that, that have been progressing at the time you know and we we all agreed you know let's put all this on hold now it's not because we don't think it's it's, it's the right thing to do but the, the time right now is just not right because their focus is completely on dealing with their clients you know and and the majority of clients wanted to speak and wanted to speak now you know <laughs> that that, yeah, that, was, that yeah. was important for them um but as as that started to you know Develop. And we saw this sort of change probably sort of September, October sort of time of last year as, as everybody had, had sort of settled into new ways of working, how they were dealing with the clients. It came back to the same fundamental that, that the reason that firms look to join us, we'd, we'd, as I said, we'd, we're not an asset gatherer. That's, that's not what we're about. What, what we look to do is, is, is bring together like-minded businesses where we can share the pain of trying to develop the technology platform the accounting function, HR, you know, all, all, all you know, the regulatory structure, all those kind of things that, that in smaller businesses, everybody still has to do that. Um, and a lot of these smaller businesses are run by advisors. You know, that, that's that's why they came into the, into the industry. That, that's what they love doing. And they can see that they spend more and more of their time away from their clients having to run the business and get involved in, you know, for example, the PI renewal gets harder and harder every year you know it's a really difficult market but they have to spend so much time on those things that, that actually they, they spend less time in front of their clients um, and and I think what what this period has done um, as, as a result of COVID has actually reinforced that that, that, that once we've, we've started to, to get over this this sort of initial period and people getting used to all of those changes um, it, it's reinforcing the point that actually to be to be operating as a as a small business in our sector on your own is difficult you know and We've, we're finding that, that, that over time, those those owners of those businesses are, are, are coming back around the table to say, well, you know, I still want to have that discussion because, you know, I'm now spent however long, you know, managing my business through through COVID and I'll be in the office, are we out of the office, you know, what's what's going on, how are we dealing with that, you know, there's all the HR sort of side around all of that as well that's, that's important, make sure that, that, that you structure things properly. But again, it's taking those those individuals away from dealing with their clients. You know, so mm -hmm. so you know we've, we've we've got people who are saying, well, this this is still the rationale as, as to why we want to do something. So so that hasn't changed fundamentally, um, and and so I do think that that will continue. We're we're not the type of business that that, that necessarily looks um, for retiring IFAs. It it tends to be firms that that are. The, They've got to a certain stage, they've got to a certain size, and actually to go to the next level, they've either got to do it themselves and reinvest heavily back into the business or do it as part of a, a wider group. And actually well, doing is it, it next level part of the group? Is it also that and just gaining some extra support, if you will, whether it be, you know, you know back end or just, you know, just, as you said, to yeah. have the ability to have more time with their clients? But it is, it, you know, the starting point is 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 more time in in, in front of clients, but but the reality is mm. that irrespective of the size of the business, every, everybody's having to deal with the same things. You know, everybody's having to think. Well, yeah. you know, so for example, through through that period of lockdown, um, and 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 still today, you know, that's that's you know, you know, nothing's really changed. But most of our advisors are are still seeing their clients remotely. You know, that's 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 the way that that we're operating. Um, so everyone's had to find a way of doing that. They've had to find new ways of of, of 
of dealing with their clients and dealing with um, the, the security of information and making sure that their technology works. Um, and, and, and so all of those things are having to be managed in, in smaller businesses and it, it does take time. But actually, you know, if you could have one solution to that across a, a group of businesses and actually um, bring that together in an integrated way, it become, becomes really beneficial for those smaller firms because they haven't got to go out and start from scratch themselves and think about it for themselves. They've actually got the support of a wider group to be able to do that. Hmm. And you talk about you know technology and supports. You know, last year we all had to last year and this year, indeed this year we had to get used to technology a lot more than we usually be used <laughs> to. Um, and some advisors were you know brought kicking and screaming into the twenty first century um, early last year and again you know late late last year and this year as well um, due to the pandemic. Has that been one positive we can take out of the last twelve months or so that you know a lot more advice businesses are moving towards you know technological solutions, whether it be, you know, Zoom or Teams, um, and relying on those sorts of things to, to to speak with clients, to help clients, to support clients? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting point, James, because it's one that, that, that was always a, a key part of our our discussions with with both our investors into our business, but but also with, with the, the firms that we were looking to bring into the group, you know, before we complete our first transaction. So going back, you know, into the late end of, of 2019, you know, the kind of thing that, that myself and Mickey would be talking about would, would, would be these exact points, you know, that we'd be saying, wouldn't it be better for you to actually deal with it, with some of your clients remotely rather than being on the road all of the day? You know, you can do some of this by by video conferencing, you know, and we'd have people across the table look at us sometimes and, you know, think, no, no that's that's not how we live in our world. You know, we, we, we have to do face to face, but, but, but we're now going to have that same conversation now. And it's almost like, but of course we do that because because everybody does it, you know. So, so Why you know, that's I drive it. four hours across the country. To but exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's you know, you know, in certain circumstances, it would still be important. You know, coming back to this trusted advisor point, be, being in front of a a client for the first time probably still does need to be face to face in certain circumstances. Not not for everybody, but but for some. So so you know, I think we'll see a combination of the two. But it's also things like you know, using um, client portals in order, in order to deliver information you know, DocuSign to get documents signed, you know, those kind of things that, um, one of the things that I read the other day that I thought was really interesting, um, and I can't remember where it was from, but, it, but, it, but, but somebody said that the, the pandemic has, has crunched years of behavioral change and tech disruption um, in, into months. And when I read that, it was mm. like, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, it's, much, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, but it's, it's, it, it's almost like we've all had to be dragged through that, you know, you know, I'm, I'm the same with, with my parents, you know, I, I speak to them quite regularly on FaceTime or, or Zoom calls, you know, and, and, and we never did that before, but they've adapted to that, you know, really, really, really quickly. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's not just in business, you know, it's from a personal perspective as well, you know, that, that everybody's seen massive change and, 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 and it has happened really, really quickly, you know, so, you know, I think the future will look very different, but it, but I think it'll be a combination of, of the good things from, from the way we used to operate and, and things that, that, that everybody's learned over the last year or so in, 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 in how things can be done and what is possible. No, it's, um, I, I think, I personally think it's a good thing, both per, both personally and, mm. you know, in the advice world. I think you know, we've all had to catch up and I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a positive and it's here to stay in way, one way or form, mm. whether it be, you know, a hybrid model or, you know, whatever everyone um, decides to do. But, you know, that, that is the choice moving forward. There are choices now, which is great. And moving on to you know, a, a previous point that you mentioned about regulation. You know, the FCA has been very busy in regard to regulation and enforcement over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months especially on DB transfer advice. 
Um, you know, how does that affect the, the advice market? And really, you know, what can the FCA do better or worse? Or you know, how do you expect the regulator to act in these in these matters? Yeah, I think the DB trans transfer is obviously a, a, an obvious example of, of of what you're referring to there. Um, but, but but there'll be other areas as well. But it's but it's been really difficult because it's the uncertainty that that creates issues in the market. Um, so so for example, I know that a lot of the the reason that firms are withdrawing from the DB market is not necessarily because um, there is pressure from a regulatory perspective per se. It, it's being driven from from a, a professional indemnity insurance perspective. Um, it's getting harder and harder to to get cover for for DB transfers. And and if you do, the level of excess on your policy is really high, or there'll be lots of exclusions as the type of cases that, that are covered. So you effectively really, really restrict it. And a lot of firms look at that and say, well, actually, is it is it worth us doing that? You know, and you know that 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 is the conclusion that a lot of firms um, reach. And, and one of the reasons for that, and coming back to your point, is the, what a what a number of the professional indemnity insurance um, providers that, that was meet with the FCA to say, well, well, you tell us what you believe good looks like. We can then adopt that with with the firms that that we insure. And then, and then we can really help to to drive the changes that that, that, that you'd look to see, through, you know, almost through insurance. Um, and the FCA wouldn't engage on that. So, you know, if if I was a, an insurer, I'd I'd be concerned about it because the FCA was saying we don't like this. Well, tell us why you don't like it. No, we're not really going to you know sort of say too much. Although although they have done recently, you know, that's, that started to come out. But but by the time they did it, you know, and they did come out with with some of their sort of documentation towards the end of last year, but it, but it's too late on that issue. Um, you know, so, so so that's not really helpful. You know, one of the areas that the I see coming up in the future is is around drawdown. You know, is then it, and it'd be interesting off the back of of what we've seen in the last year because. For a lot of people since pension freedoms um, came into force where they're able to draw benefits out of their pension fees much more flexibly and and without advice um is, is has been a really interesting period of time because, because markets have, have been increasing th throughout that whole period until until the last year or so um and when you're going to draw down it's it's not a it's not a i suppose an old-fashioned position like buying annuity once you've bought your annuity it's done and that's it um, when you're going to draw down, you're actually planning for for long term into your into your retirement. You know, it could be 30, 40, 50 years of of planning and what level of income you should be drawing um, throughout that period of time in order to have a, a, um, a sustainable pension fund. Um, to do that unadvised, I think is a is is a real risk. And I know you'd expect me to say that, you know, being the leader of a of a financial advice business, but 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 I truly believe that, you know. If, if there's only one time in your life that, that, that you took advice, do it at the point that you're about to, to go into drawdown. So you really, under, really understand that because it is it is such a big decision, you know, and as I say, it's not a, a sort of one off position. You know, once you bought your annuity, that's it. It's secured. And, you know, you know what you've got for the rest of your life. You've you've still got to be making investment decisions. Um, and I think last year, um, one of the, the large platforms um, had, had re reviewed their their drawdown clients and, and this was a, a platform that people can use unadvised um, and the level of drawdown being taken out of the pension funds was was just under 10 percent per annum um, and there'll, there'll be lots of people in there who are you know, for whatever reason might be taking all of the pension fund out the people aren't taking any but but that was the average and if that is the case 
that's not sustainable. And mm. you know, but, but but whilst markets have been strong, people haven't really had to think about it too much. But you know, in, in more difficult markets and seeing interest rates where they are as well, you know, that that for me is is a, a potential issue coming forward. Um, and what have the regulators done about that? Well, well, they've talked about um, having these investment pathways within within pension funds where you, where you effectively go into a default option, um, which which sort of deals with the issue to a certain extent. But but for me, I just think it's it's such a key area that that, that I think we could see issues in in the drawdown market. You know, m- moving away from purely from from the DB transfers, but but just generally in that at the point that you retire, what happens? What advice did you get? Well, in that area, does it need more regulation? Does it need more guidance? Does it? It's because we've got an advice gap. That's that. That is the issue. Yeah. You know, there, there aren't. So, if you've got people with with smaller pots of of money, let's say you know sub a hundred thousand pounds, and I use that just as a number because you know there are a lot of people in in that position who who I would guess um, aren't aren't able to get advice. You know, they, they, there'll be a lot of advisors out there who just haven't got the, the capacity to deal with them. Um, but we need to find a way. For those individuals to, to have more information and this is where i think that the market will start to develop and you know hopefully there'll be a regulatory drive towards it around more to do with with information education around those kind of things because you know it, it's so easy to access information you know you, you could go onto a, an investment platform now get it set up pretty quickly and start making investment decisions straight away you know with, without any, any any thought behind it and there needs to be some triggers around that i think to, to you know, almost if if you're not doing it on an advised basis, you know, with, with with your trusted advisor, that you need to have a way of being able to almost like check your decisions. And you know, I, th- I think technology will be able to help. You know, with that, we've we've got a, a technology guy who works really close with us, and you, you know, and 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 he he will talk about you know some of the ways that that you could do that now by actually using artificial intelligence to actually say, well, if you sample lots of other um, similar clients, what did they do? You know, what what decisions did did they make you know and so i think there's there's potentially work to be done in that area but it's but, but then that's very different to to the way that the market is developed around robo advice which is effectively you know more about replacing a, a real person with with a process and you know i'm not sure that's quite right it, I, I think the way the market is developing is that people either want to have an advisor and to speak to that person you know they they, they want a real person who knows and understands them or people are going to do it for themselves and the people who do it for themselves don't really want the robot advice answer either because they've all decided yeah. they don't want an advisor. What what they want is to do it themselves. But but they need more information of almost like validating, am I doing the right thing? Am I making the right decisions? Yeah, yeah. So very interesting point. Very interesting point. Like even and this kind of ties in with you know, regulation as well, because the FCA came out early this year saying that it wants more robo advice. You know, that's that's how it thinks it's going to fix the advice gap, you know, more mm. robot advice businesses or companies. Mm. Um, but you're kind of pushing the other way and you know, making well, customers informed, not through regulation, yeah. but through other yeah. ways and means to, you know, as yeah. you said, compare their decisions to others. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I'm also a bit careful about using the terms robot advice. You know, I, I, I think in reality, using that, that robot advice technology harnessed in an advisory business and, and, and having the combination where somebody can go through that process but has the ability to be able to speak to somebody during that process when, when things get a little bit tricky or they don't understand it. I think you can harness that technology in order to be able to deal with the clients that say £100,000 rather than, you know, most advisory firms will say, you know, our minimum is, 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 is £200,000, £250,000, otherwise it's just not economical for us. But I think you can harness that technology in order to actually bring that, that barrier down start to close the advice gap 
but that that is very very different to somebody who decides that actually that they don't want to live in that world of, of of having advice they actually want to do their own thing because because for, for a lot of young people that's that's how they live their life in in lots of other ways you know they go and find that information yeah, and, yeah. And, and and do it for themselves yeah.